Hello and welcome to The Intersection. I'm Mark Riley. Thanks for being with us. In this episode, we take a long look and a deep dive into the extraordinary erosion of the Republican Party in the United States. A sitting member of Congress calls for what she says is a national divorce. Funny, I thought that was settled back in 1865. The Speaker of the House decides to outsource the GOP revision of the January 6th insurrection by granting exclusive access of surveillance footage to, guess who? Tucker Carlson. A couple of simultaneous setbacks for the former president and vice president, as there's some evidence, as we've talked about before, that the former guy's iron grip on the Republican Party is slipping just a bit. And finally, how many times has George Santos lied, and will it ever be enough to force him from Congress? Let's get started. What do you think rational people make of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's call for a national divorce? Some may laugh. Some may call it another cry for attention, etc., etc. The fact that it's reverberating through the American political class and the American political landscape speaks to the current state of discourse in this country. And don't think for a minute what she's proposing is anything new. Republicans in Wyoming and Texas floated the idea of secession right around the time Joe Biden was sworn in as president. Yet Green's idea isn't exactly secession. Just ask her, she'll tell you. She wants the country divided between red and blue states. What category purple states would be, she really hasn't explained yet. She also may not realize this, but her home state of Georgia just elected Democrat, the Reverend Raphael Warnick, to the United States Senate. Does this mean he'd have to move to a blue state? Or would Green have to move to Mississippi? Central to her divorce scenario is disenfranchisement. She actually thinks that if people move from blue states to red states, they shouldn't be allowed to vote for five years. That's wholesale disenfranchisement. But more on that in a second. Let's hear from the source herself. This is from her February 20th tweet. Quote, we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issue shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done, end quote. The most interesting part of this screed, at least to me, is the part where she says, everyone I talk to says this. Everyone? Really? Seriously? That says to me, she doesn't talk to that many people, or she only speaks to an amen corner. This would give credence to the argument that Green is simply spouting this nonsense purely for publicity. She knows most people with a small bit of sense will condemn her, even in her home state. Yet she also knows there exists a hardcore group of far-right lunatics who will take her seriously. For her, it's a win-win. You know that old saying about no such thing as bad publicity, right? What is really troubling about all this has to do with the fringe of the Republican Party becoming the mainstream. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you remember the whole space lasers thing? 
She was considered an outlier then, but now she is no longer. That should frighten every small-D Democrat in America. GOP Brahmins stay silent while people like this espouse whack views that have no chance of becoming reality, ever. Yet before too many red states and before too many red state people climb on her bandwagon, a stark look at the economies of the two Americas might be in order. Fact is, the divide between gross domestic product in blue states and red states is about 3.5% in favor of the blue. Red states may care about and engage in culture wars more than their blue counterparts, but when it comes to issues involving the wallet, red states might want to press pause. And what manner of political party elevates a Marjorie Taylor Greene? One with a razor-thin majority in one House of Congress. Beyond that, she bucked even her lunatic fringe colleagues and backed Kevin McCarthy for Speaker. You may remember that there was a 15-ballot marathon that got him over the line. He rewarded Green with plum assignments on the House Oversight and Homeland Security Committees. And just in case you think McCarthy couldn't sink any lower, consider his latest stunt. He really didn't want to relitigate the January 6th insurrection, that's January 6th, 2021, even though he promised the hardliners in his own party that he would. So, in an extraordinary act of cynicism, he outsourced the task of going over surveillance, surveillance footage to the one, the only, Tucker Carlson. Why did he do it? Because he knew he couldn't satisfy those right-wingers in his own party without a toxic battle that he might not win. Carlson, a Fox News commentator, who entertained all types of conspiracies about the insurrection, is now going to go over footage of the insurrection exclusively. Keep in mind, he at one point insinuated that the attempt to stop the Electoral College vote count was a false flag operation. McCarthy's trying to defend his granting exclusive access to Carlson by saying this is a way for the public to see what happened on January 6th. He has said he'll distribute the footage more widely after Carlson was through with it. Already, both Democrats and news operations have been screaming bloody murder, and well they should. McCarthy could just as easily give an access to this footage to Alex Jones. All this is about plausible deniability for the House Speaker. What it shows is how low people will stoop to acquire and maintain political power. Boggles the mind. Up next, more GOP troubles. Donald Trump can be deposed in a lawsuit brought by a pair of ex-FBI employees. This, as some in the media, are wondering if the emperor might not be losing his clothes. And the Justice Department is asking a judge to compel former Vice President Mike Pence to testify before a grand jury. This is The Intersection. You're listening to The Intersection of Politics and Culture with Mark Riley. Welcome back to The Intersection. It seems karma is catching up with Donald Trump. 
on several different levels. Last week, a judge ruled he can be deposed in a lawsuit brought by a pair of former FBI employees who claim they were fired in retribution after the Bureau probed Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election. The pair were lovers at the time. They exchanged politically charged messages that were highly critical of Trump. The judge's ruling in the case pertains to Trump and FBI Director Christopher Wray. The problem is Trump has reportedly bragged on more than one occasion about firing the pair. Ironically, the agent suing, because the other person is an attorney or was an attorney for the FBI, the agent was looking into both Russia's involvement with the election, but also Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. <coughs> but also Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. This could well be a small problem for the former president, given his myriad of troubles in New York, Washington, D.C., and Georgia. Yet taken together, and given Trump's aversion to being questioned about anything, it may not be as inconsequential as it seems at first. Perhaps a bigger problem is the effort by the feds to compel former Vice President Mike Pence to testify before a special grand jury probing the January 6th insurrection. See how that keeps coming up? Pence has yet to assert the executive privilege many others in the Trump administration have done to resist testifying before the grand jury. But in this case, the special counsel, Jack Smith, is acting preemptively. Why Pence would exert any kind of privilege which some of those, when some of those who stormed the Capitol wanted to hang him is utterly beyond me. And to be fair, he has not invoked it yet. Trump's inner circle has in fact used executive privilege like some sort of invisible shield. Even though Pence has yet to argue it, sources told the New York Times that he actually plans to. Trump himself has used or attempted to use executive privilege around his role on January 6th, as well as the classified documents found at his Mar-a-Lago home. In fact, Trump has never met a claim of executive privilege he didn't like. Will Pence, the guy who refused to do Trump's bidding during the electoral count still stand with him? Tell you one thing, it wouldn't be me. Then there's the question of whether Trump's iron grip on the Republican Party might be slipping just a bit. Recent media reports say that people who were solidly in his corner in both 2016 and 2020 may be having second thoughts about his electability in 2024. Could the bloom finally be off the rose? Maybe the base of his support still like him. They just don't think he's a presidential candidate again. A recent poll had him down by double digits to Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. I've always believed that he'd drop out of the race if it became obvious that he would lose in the primaries. Maybe. Maybe not. And finally, George Santos, who suckered an entire congressional district to put him in office, now has reportedly lied like a rug to a court. That could be quite serious. This is The Intersection. Join the conversation at Mark Riley Media on Facebook.
Welcome back to The Intersection. To say that George Santos lies is like saying the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. He recently did an interview with Piers Morgan. Why, I don't know, but he did an interview with Piers Morgan where he managed to paint himself as a victim of the media, of the left, of anyone other than himself. Now, he's really gotten himself into a pickle. Turns out he lied to a judge in Seattle back in 2017. A friend of his was charged with fraud in an ATM scam. Santos spoke up for him at a bail hearing, and when asked where he worked, he answered Goldman Sachs. Turned out that was just another one of his lies. He later admitted he didn't work for the banking firm, but did work for a company that had a limited partnership with Goldman. The guy Santos stood up for eventually pled guilty to felony access device fraud. He served seven months in jail and was deported to his native Brazil. This is in addition to the multiplicity of lies Santos told in order to get elected in the first place. Now, we're talking about a multiplicity of lies that includes but is not necessarily limited to whether he was Catholic or Jewish, where he went to high school, he said he went to Horace Mann, they have no record, where he went to college, all of these different stories that he constructed in part to have a plausible candidacy for Congress. Obviously, he succeeded. He got elected in a district that a lot of people thought would go Democratic in this last election. And here's this guy who lies like a fine Persian rug about virtually every aspect of his existence. Big lies, little lies, medium-sized lies, and when he gets caught in them, he tries to weasel his way out and say, gee, I'm sorry, or maybe I did a little bit of this, maybe I didn't do all of that. And yet he refuses, utterly refuses, to resign from Congress. Any honorable person would resign for lying to his constituents. Instead, in the face of even those in his own party who have said he needs to step down, Santos clings on. He remains in Congress for the same reason Kevin McCarthy has cozied up to Marjorie Taylor Greene. McCarthy needs him to cling to power. This, folks, is the current state of the Republican Party. They have to find common ground and common cause with liars, who the media calls fabulists, cranks, election deniers, and other misfits to keep their grimy hands on the levers of power. And sad to say, I'm not sure a lot of people in the United States, and I'm not just talking about people in blue states, I'm not just talking about liberals or progressives, there are a lot of conservative people in this country who are not evil in and of themselves. And yet, these folks are in a situation where they belong to a party that tolerates this sort of thing, tolerates the naked attempt to acquire power through any means necessary. Whether it's Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, any of them, all of them, they're all, under normal circumstances, I would consider them to all be a joke. But they're not. They're elected officials. They are in the Congress of the United States, 
and I say the country is worse off for it. Now, sad to say, they all belong to one political party. I would say, I'd like to think anyway, that I would say the same thing if it was a gaggle of Democrats who had this kind of reputation, who lied over and over, who had 15 ballots to become speaker. Now, Nancy Pelosi had opposition last time she ran for speaker, but it was a relatively orderly process. Kevin McCarthy made it obvious he would sell his soul, sell his soul to get that speakership. And he has. He has had to back Marjorie Taylor Greene. And keep in mind, they might have gone to 20 ballots had it not been for her deciding to support him. In the face of opposition from people in her own whack caucus. I I don't know what the actual name of it is, but many of the people who didn't support McCarthy were allies of Green. And of course, we talked about before the idea that Green and Lauren Boebert got into an argument in a ladies room on Capitol Hill over this. This is a party that I submit is in trouble. Now, I don't know how much longer They will uh, operate the way they are until hopefully, finally, somebody sees sense. And I mean, not all Republicans are bad people. I have to say, uh, although I certainly did not support him for president when he ran, Mitt Romney's not the worst guy in the universe. But many of these other people, and I could run a list of them, all just seem to be Politicians who will do anything, anything to cling to power. How much longer is the Republican Party going to operate this way before they finally realize what they're doing to the American body politic? Thanks so much for listening to The Intersection. The executive producer is Kim Jack Riley, and music is by Tevin Thomas. Until next time, please be well.